Colossians 4. I'll actually read verses 5 and 6, but our teaching this morning begins in verse 7. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. We know in Colossians that this is a very practical section. I've said that, and even Mike's teaching last week, the practical aspect of how we're to live our lives. And I've spoken in the past a lot about time. This summer I spoke about time, redeeming the time. I didn't want to go there again. And I know continually talking about our tongues and our speech, seasoned with grace, grace being unmerited favor. So let the words that come out of your mouth be unmerited favor to those you speak to. You could translate it that way. That includes email, texting, Instagram chat, Snapchat, and of course verbally. Let what comes out of your mouth be seasoned with grace. And this is a challenge for all of us, starting with me. We can often say, so-and-so doesn't deserve kind words, but God's word says our speech and our mouth can either bring healing or bring pain. We want it to bring healing, amen? amen. So we don't need a whole sermon on that. <laughs> I just want to add something. I think it's easy for us to joke amongst one another. God just brought this to my attention in my life and cut people down while we're joking. I just want to tell you, I don't think that makes God happy. I don't think humor to elevate self by putting someone else down is funny at all. And I'm as guilty as anyone else. We don't know the power of our mouth, James chapter 3. But we don't need rude joking. We don't need gossip, slander. I'm starting with myself. We don't need funny jokes to put and cut people down because that is not what God wants for us. Amen? We want the body of Christ to elevate one another. And there, that's a practical way we're supposed to live with Jesus being the center of our lives and by the way the world sees us and that's why he says you ought to answer each one or your speech because we're walking in wisdom to those who are unbelievers when we treat each other with love especially our words don't think the world doesn't watch the world does watch okay that'd be a great sermon now we can go home right now we better go on Okay, so final greetings from verse 7 through 18. Forgive me if I butcher some names. Please don't judge me. Um, okay, I'll read from verse 7. Tychius, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know your, he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, 
They will make known to you all the things which are happening here. I'll just leave that next name you can pronounce. Thank you. My fellow prisoner greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him in Jesus, who is called Justice. These are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God, who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always, laboring fervently for you in prayer, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus in the church that is in his or her house. Depends on your translation. Now, when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it, this salutation by my own hand. Paul, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. So what we have here is a list of those in ministry with Paul. And a lot of these people we hear of in other places in scripture believe it or not but the verse i want to focus on today is verse 17 specifically when it says take heed to the ministry which you have received in the lord that you may fulfill it because we're called to redeem the time Archippus is also mentioned in Philemon chapter 1, seems to be a part of the leadership of this church, and has a role in serving people. So Paul is encouraging him to complete which what was begun and not to get discouraged. I think we all need that word today. Now remember, Colossians is in a town, Colossae. Paul had never been there. He had been to Ephesus. And really, Colossae and Ephesus are churches that were close to one another. And it seems this Tychius was the one bringing the letter. Because it says clearly that he will tell you all the news. So he's coming from Paul in prison. He has Onesimus with him. And Onesimus is a slave that somehow ran away from Philemon in the book, who went to Rome, found Paul, got saved. And Paul said, you're a runaway slave, so you need to go back home. So he's going to Philemon, and he's with Tychius, and Paul has sent them back. And as they're going back, he has a letter, and it's probably this letter of Laodicea we don't have, but we think they also have the letter to the Ephesians as well. So these are circular letters, especially the letter to Ephesus, where they would bring them and read them in all the churches. So for instance, if we came together, we'd say, we have a letter. And so we'd read the whole thing from Paul, and then we would probably talk about it. And that's what Tychius was doing. It clearly says you see three words that describe all of these servants continually throughout this last section Beloved, being one, obviously loved by Paul. Faithful, being another. And the third one, being fellow workers 
or fellow soldiers not here, but in Philemon, Archippus is known as a fellow soldier. So you pay attention to those things, and in the body of Christ, obviously there was great love as they served together. They saw each other as faithful, and this word fellow in the Greek almost means together. So we have a fellow servant and justice or Jesus, a fellow worker and Archippus in Philemon 1 verse 2 is a fellow soldier. All mean fellowship. All meaning together. All meaning a part of one body. All meaning they had a role in that body. All meaning that we need to do what God has called us to do because each of us is important in serving the body of Christ. So, on that note, as we look at that, knowing that we all have gifts and are called to serve, maybe you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you will. We want to read a little illustration of that to be reminded this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says this, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members are of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink in one spirit. The fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, am I not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty." But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you, that's me and you, that's everyone, who believes in Jesus Christ are the body of Christ and members individually. I'm going to stop there, the point being very clear as we look through this list that they were fellow together members and as, as we are. I could almost say if I'm going somewhere else, I was at the Pentecostal church last week and say such and such is a member of the body of Christ. They're a member, they have a role, they have a part in the body of Christ. Other sections would say we're family, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, 8, same thing. We need each other. 
We're all a part of the body. Each member of the body is required in this scripture to do its part. Do I hear an amen? You know, they say with church, and I don't mean to say this in a bad way, but they say 30% of the people do 80% of the work. Has anyone heard that before? Yeah, I've heard that. Scripture would have 100% of the body should do 100% of the work. And it doesn't mean you do more or less, but it means you serve your part. If you're a hand, you do what a hand does. If you're an ear, you do what an ear does. And maybe the parts no one likes. If you're a spleen, you do what a spleen does. You know, he's saying just because it's not seen doesn't mean it's not valuable. There may be people in this body and their role is to pray and it's unseen, but it's maybe more important than anything that goes on in public. Amen? But we are not effective if we're not fellow, fellowshipping together doing our part in serving with the gift that God has given us. Unfortunately, church, a lot of the time has become a spectator sport. I go, I enjoy, I like the music, it's nice, the teaching so-so. <laughs> Last week it was great, but it doesn't matter. What we say... But my only point is we come and we go. But God has so much more for us, amen? And you say, well, what do I do then? What is my role? What is my gift? You each have an ability that someone else doesn't have. And it might be to be at the front. It might be to pray. It might be to serve outside of this building. And I want to encourage you that the body of Christ is much bigger than even here. So as you fulfill your role to the whole body of Christ, hopefully in some way here, but with other Christians as well, we are working together to be more productive for the kingdom of God. We're all to be beloved amongst each other. We're all to be faithful and it's a beautiful picture as you look at these people serving that Paul says, yeah, such and such. Oh yeah, and such and such says hello. And this one was with me, but he went here. And we're all fellow workers one to another. I guess I want to encourage you, in some capacity, God has called you to service. And the problem is with today's church, I really believe sometimes church is thought of as once a week, which it isn't, right? Church isn't once a week. This is the church gathering, but it's, this isn't the only part we have church, but church becomes a building and church becomes a service, but church is the body of Christ. And we need each other. And we need your gift. And we need you to operate. And you might again ask yourself, well, what am I called to do? And I think the best thing to do in asking is that, what do you have a passion for? What do you enjoy? Some people, when they serve others, they just, it's just so freeing and so real, and it doesn't seem difficult. 
Now, sometimes service is difficult, but we need to ask ourselves, God, how can I serve you by serving others? So, I just want to pray about that right now. <laughs> Amen? We're trying to get a little more practical. I'm not asking you to have any great revelations this morning. But I just want to ask God, and I want you to ask God, God, how do you want me to serve? That's what I want to ask. God, maybe you are serving, maybe you're not. I'm not telling you you are or you aren't. Maybe it's here, maybe it's somewhere else. That I'm not worried about that. But I guess the question I'm asking you to ask God and think about is, Lord, am I fulfilling my part in your body? So Lord Jesus, it's good to pray and think and ask. And for some of us, maybe the answers will differ. But Lord Jesus, as we think about your word and being called to be members of your body, we ask you, Lord, I pray that you would confirm thoughts, that you would just speak to us through your word this morning. So now we wait upon you. Amen. Can I tell you that you are beloved? <laughs> you are a part of the body. That you are loved. And you have gifts for God's glory. Okay, so why the next question? Sometimes we know that we should be doing something or we were doing it and we're not doing it because our major verse is in verse 17. And it says, take heed to the ministry which you received, meaning God's given you something to serve in or a gift, whatever it is. So Paul's saying to Archippus, take heed, listen, know that you should be serving because you've received that for me. And then he says that you may fulfill it. And in the Greek or your maybe better translation there is that you may complete what you're called to do. So if you're called to pray, maybe you're struggling, but this morning God's saying, take heed, do it, complete it, don't give up. You get the flow of what he's saying? It seems that Archippus needs a little encouragement, like he wants to throw in the towel. And I just thought of three people on this list separate from him, John, Mark, Luke, and Demas, who needed encouragement or represent 
three different people to why they're having difficulty or why they're doing so well in their service and completing what God's asked them to do. All right, so we'll go on a journey. We'll do a little two-minute, three-minute character study on each person. So John Mark, you might know him, but he's mentioned in verse 10. says he's the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. He's called Mark, but he's known as John Mark. We meet him in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And you probably know well if you've read your Bibles. If not, you'll learn this morning. He was with Paul at the beginning and Barnabas, and he went on their first missionary journey. He came from a godly home. We know in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, his mom hosted the prayer meeting when Peter was set free, that Peter went to their home and Rhoda was at the door. You might remember that, right? And oh, they're praying for Peter to get out of jail and he miraculously appears and Rhoda leaves him at the door and I think Peter's here. And wow, so they had prayer meetings in their home. It was a godly home. But the issue with John Mark in completing his ministry in Acts chapter 13, verse 13, it says during that first missionary trip, he left Paul and Barnabas. For whatever reason, he had enough and didn't complete the journey and went home back to Jerusalem from the island of Cyprus. This, as you carry on in the book of Acts, creates major conflict between Paul and Barnabas because when they go on their next missionary journey, Paul's like, I'm not taking that quitter with me. And Barnabas is like, I'm taking them with me. And it says the conflict was so sharp that they split ways. So here we have Paul saying, okay, Mark, who's the cousin of Barnabas, he greets you. So obviously they're together again and something has happened. All of a sudden, John Mark, who was a failure is valued and even in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11 Paul says get Mark for me this is the same guy who said I don't want to see him he left me hanging something happened to say I want that guy he's a comfort to me why do I say all of this to you sometimes when we failed we want to quit. Do I hear an amen? Okay, let's not lie to one another. Okay. I have lots of stories in my life, but let me not bore you. Sometimes you get a letter, you get an email, and you're like, I'm done with this. Because either someone's mad at you because they're mad, or you made a big mistake because we do both, right? People get mad and we make mistakes. Everyone agree? But sometimes when we hear that news or we're reminded of our failure or someone's just angry, we say, I'm done. I'm out of Dodge. I'm out of Cyprus. No, thank you. Some of us in this room have been in ministry and either have been hurt, have 
failed in some capacity and you have thrown in the towel in serving God. I want to tell you, in serving being part of the body as John Mark, it's time to get up again. We need Barnabases in this room who will grab people after their failure, not jack them to the position where they need to be, but hold their hand till they're strong enough to serve again. If I need a second chance and a third and a fourth, what about you? The problem is Satan condemns us in our failure and says, you're good for nothing. This is a part of life. And I think a lot of us have gone through it and we need this encouragement this morning. If it's gone badly, get back up because we need you in the body of Christ. And what Satan wants to do is crush you and keep you there because he knows your gifts and what your use is to the body of Christ. So if he can, can condemn you and show you your failure and keep you down, it can't be like Paul, like, bring that person to me. I need him or her. And I want to be a little voice of the Holy Spirit for you that God might be saying that to you. We, the body of Christ, serving, doesn't matter where, we need you. Don't let condemnation hold you down. Get back up. I can remember people in my life in different ways. I remember I pray, played soccer, and I thought I was a decent soccer player in college. Just to give you a practical example this morning. And the first year I went in, that soccer team in college had a varsity and a junior varsity team. And I was kind of on the bubble. I was like, not quite good enough some days and really good other days. But what happened was I was a little younger, but guess what? I didn't get to play that much varsity. And I felt like a failure. And I put so much energy into it. And you're just waiting for the call up and you never get it. And I remember going into the coach's office and being like, listen, I'm good enough. Well, I don't think you are. I quit. I walked out of his office and I quit. That was it. I'm done playing. So the next year, did I do the right thing? Did I not? I quit. I'm not good enough. I remember the next year I missed the whole training camp because I had quit. But my brother was the coach on the team. So it happened after about when I arrived, he said, you're not done yet. I see a need for you on this team. I'll work with you. You're going to come back. No, I'm not. <laughs> yes, you are. He was persuasive. He's my big brother. I did end up going back. Actually playing a different position that I even started in. And he worked with me and trained with me. And I ended up finishing my career playing for another three years. But if it was up to me with the bad news and thinking I wasn't good enough, I would have walked away. But I'm here to be like my brother for you and say, Let's get back and let's go. Amen?
Okay, that's John Mark. Let's move on. Demas. Some of you know of Demas. He isn't mentioned too much other that he is with Paul. It says very clearly, Demas greets you. He is with me. And he's with Luke in, in verse 14, the beloved physician, and Demas greets you. We don't know too much about Demas other than in 2 Timothy 4.10, and this might be a little bit sad, but as Paul is coming to the end of his life in jail in Rome, it says this, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed. Paul, or John Mark, failure, bad, good. Demas, good, 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 good. Bad. We don't know why he left exactly other than that verse when it says he's loved this present world. When it got tough, he took off. 2 Timothy, you can read it for yourself. Chapter 4, verse 10. I was interested in the world, the, the word world in the Greek, and it's eon or age. So basically the idea is Demas has left the ministry. He has left me Having loved this present age, he has departed. And I, if I'd say anything from this character for myself and for you is, don't lose focus in your ministry, in your service. I guess the other question clearly is, are we doing it for eternity or are we doing it for here and now and what I can get out of it? Sometimes it's easy to serve because we like the applause. We like to be wanted. But then when it gets difficult, we people, life, not having as much, time, resources, comfort, all of those things, we love this present age that we're living in the here and now more than the investment I'm making in eternity. So he's saying Demas has left because he wants to be comfortable and secure now. He's tired and has had enough, so he's left what he's called to do. Jesus said very clearly in Matthew 7, verse 20, build your treasure in heaven. Where your treasure is, your heart, your love is, and Demas loved this present age more than working for eternity. So last week you heard about money. We can easily translate that. Like, oh, I'm just trying to be comfortable now. But I don't want to talk about money. I want to talk about your time, your effort. I want to talk about other things to why we might not serve to say, it's just easier not to do it. It's just easier not to go that direction. I am tired. This is getting me nowhere. And basically, my heart is for myself. That's Demas. I just want to encourage you today, that doesn't have to be us. But you have to make a concentrated effort to go against the thinking of this age 
which says it's all about you, what you can get, your comfort, whether you feel good in it, to say, what has God called me to? And it doesn't mean it's all going to be all rainbow and lollipops. It's going to be tough, but I'm not doing it for the gratification of here and now. I'm doing it for eternity where I will have treasure. Amen? Okay, now if you're like, well, that's never going to happen to me. Like, I am the soldier he talked about in Philemon 1. I'm the fellow soldier. Listen, I want to tell you something. That temptation happens to all of us. Go out tonight? What? I'm really comfortable where I am. Give my time? It's a lot easier to do what I want to do. Get up and pray. Stay up and pray. <laughs> There's so many things that Satan can distract us with. From sin to fulfilling our own desires to just basically distractions of wanting what we want. I'm not saying that God doesn't give us good gifts, but I'm saying we need to not lose our focus. Folks, it's not how we start, it's how we finish. It's not how we start. And what I don't want to hear, which I get into myself sometimes, is, you should have seen what God did four years ago. Ooh! You should have, ten years ago. You know, sometimes when I go to camp, you know, camp services, like, Oh, testimony, but none of them have been in the last five years. What is God doing today? And you say, it's too hard today. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. And I want to say, what has God called you to do? Dig in and serve him. Here's the thing. Not because you have to, but because you get to. Because Galatians says, freedom that we have in Christ will cause us to love and serve one another. You are not set free to bring comfort to yourself. You are set free to serve one another. Amen? Okay, finally, Luke. Yeah, Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke and Acts, the beloved physician. I love this in 2 Timothy. We hear that Luke is one of Paul's most loyal companions. When everyone leaves him in 2 Timothy 4.11, it says, Only Luke is with me. Only. Everyone else left. By the way, you see Paul's list of things he went through? Shipwreck, hungry, sleepless nights. Guess who was with him the whole time? Okay, let me try again. Guess who was with him the whole time? Luke. Guess who probably didn't eat? Guess who was in the shipwreck? Guess who went through everything? Guess at the end, everyone jets off, maybe loving this present world, or maybe they had some ministry in Hawaii to accomplish. But there's good old Luke fighting it out, loyal, 
hanging on, never giving up. Never giving up. I love when Paul says as well in 2 Timothy, and you might know this verse, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I persevered. It wasn't easy, but I kept going. I kept going even when I didn't see the result. Do you think Paul and Luke saw any real super, super, super crazy, like jail, soon death, and they saw things, but it got more difficult than better. And Luke is here, loyal, hanging on, continually persevering. And could you imagine? Only Luke is with me. It's not like Luke couldn't have done something else. Remember, he was a physician. It's not like he had some bad life and, oh, okay, well, I got nothing else to do, so I might as well hang out with Paul. No, he kept at it. I just want to encourage you. I heard a story of a company years ago, years and years ago, who was mining, I don't know, up north in Canada or America, and they were digging, 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 looking for something, looking for valuables, looking for gold, and they spent hundreds and thousands of dollars digging these mines, but never really getting. And they finally gave up after miles and miles of tunnels. So another company years later took those tunnels and expanded them. It was a true story I heard from another teacher, pastor. 20 more feet and they hit the treasure. I want to tell you that Satan wants to discourage you so much. And often we think, I can't do it anymore. But I want to encourage you, you don't know what's around the next corner. Usually, God has something, and Satan wants to discourage it because he knows what you're called to. And some days it gets dark. And usually it's darkest before dawn. But like this story, keep digging. Like Luke, keep going. Even when you don't see it, may we be the ones to say, Jesus, I stuck with you all the way to the end, even if I didn't see it, and it was stinky, and I was tired, and I was hungry, and I didn't feel good, but you called me to something, and I kept with it. And I'm not here to condemn. This is simply encouragement with what you're called to do. Maybe you're praying for a friend, a family member, and you're like, I am done with this prayer thing. It's been year after year after year, and I haven't seen anything. I'm saying to you, keep going. Keep enduring. You don't know what God has in store. Maybe you've been witnessing to people in your life, and you're like, I'm done. Keep going. The great brother George Mueller believed so much in prayer and ministry that he served and served and served, but he kept a prayer journal. And every time God answered prayers, and it's even said that he prayed for many people to be saved. And at the end of his life, five of those people still weren't saved. He said, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep enduring. And it's recorded after his death that those people came to know Jesus. 
it doesn't matter what we can see. It doesn't matter how we feel sometimes. If you know you're called to it and it's tough. Can I get a little word to you, young mothers? Well, I don't have a role. Yes, you do. You're training up the next generation, and there's days you want to quit. There's days the house is a mess. There's days that you've cleaned the same thing 10 times. There's days where you're trying to train them, and it feels like you're walking in mud. There's just days like that. Amen? But you keep going. Oftentimes, we get discouraged, and now we say, it's not so bad when you have the whole picture. They're not going to be five years old forever. They're not going to be eight. They're not going to be teenagers forever. And you see what God sometimes does in their life, and you're like, man, wasn't that worth it 10 years ago? Just keep going. Just keep loving. We wanted to give up, but we just kept at it. And look, they matured. Crazy thing is, that's what some people are thinking about us. They keep investing. They keep loving. And they might not see anything. But I want to encourage you today to be like Luke. To keep enduring. If you're called to serve in ways that people don't see, keep going. You know, at this church, you might come and say, oh, they have it all together. They don't have any needs. What are you, nuts? We need people using their gifts. We need people who will serve at the front, in the basement. We need people to set up. We need people to clean. We need people just to be what they're called to be. And we will be way more effective in our community if we all work together, not giving up. Have you failed? Get up on your feet. You are forgiving God's graces there, John Mark. If you are Demas and your, your, your focus has gone off a bit, Take it back to Jesus and while you're doing it. Live for eternity. And if you're just an, a veteran, maybe you're 18 and you're a veteran, maybe you've been serving, and you're like, I am tired of what I'm doing. I am tired of the body of Christ. I'm tired of my friends who never hear it. I'm tired of investing. I'm here to tell you, don't stop. Keep going. Be like Luke. Amen. Follow this little teaching today. You all have a call, no excuses. Do it. Fulfill it. Don't give in. Keep going. Let God's grace elevate you. What do I do? I don't know. What to do. We prayed about that, and we'll keep praying about that. But then start. And it's all for Jesus. Because if you're doing it for people, and you're doing it for applause, and you're doing it for this age, you're going to quit. I know, I've been there. But I don't want to make the team. It's a lot for me. Not just for the joy of playing. Why do you do ministry? Not for you. You do it for Jesus. Because he's served you. You served him. He's loved you. You love him. Let's get back up. Let's keep going. Loving one another and serving and edifying the body of Christ. Amen? All right, thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your goodness.
man, I look at you, Jesus, you're the greatest servant of all. And how many times would you ever want to quit or give up and you didn't? You were faithful. You said, oh, faithless generation. How long do I have to be with you? But you kept going, kept loving, kept serving. And we know, Jesus, that you live in us. So I pray this morning, if there is anyone who feels like John Mark, anyone who feels maybe someone said, maybe you failed, maybe you haven't, but they put you down, I want to tell you this morning, get up off the mat, get going. If that's you, would you be encouraged? Maybe you're like Demas this morning, as the Holy Spirit seeks your heart, maybe your attention has been driven somewhere else. You know God's calling you to something, but you're too comfortable where you are. I'm here to tell you that we're called to eternity. Amen? And may that word encourage you today. And may you've been serving for a long time, doing the same thing, and you're tired. You haven't seen what you wanted to see. Just like that digging company, just keep digging. Just keep going. Get your encouragement from Jesus every morning, not from what you do. You're serving a glorious God who loves you. You're bringing glory to his name. Be encouraged. The communion elements in the back, we have opportunity to celebrate the greatest servant of all, Jesus Christ. He came and he fulfilled his call and aren't we thankful this morning that he didn't give up in the garden, but he followed through and went to the cross and died for me and for you. I want to celebrate God's grace, God's forgiveness, that we are free because of the cross and the work of Christ on the cross. David's going to sing, the elements are in the back. Just enjoy Jesus this morning. Let's celebrate together. <laughs>